Welcome to another edition of Focus on the Kingdom. I'm Anthony Buzzard, inviting you again to search the Scriptures with me for a few moments as we continue to investigate Jesus' favorite topic, the Gospel about the Kingdom of God. We've been pointing out in this series of programs focusing on the Kingdom of God, Jesus' favorite topic, that Jesus was a Jew who must be understood in his first century Palestinian environment you know, we must always allow for a man's culture and his ways of thinking when we try to interpret his words. I've used this example many times, but if I come to the States as an Englishman and say, I'm mad about my flat, I'm mad about my flat, I'm likely to be misunderstood. You see, that sentence, I'm mad about my flat, in England means, I'm excited about my apartment. But the very same words used in America will mean that I'm angry about my flat tire. Now, the lesson to be learned from that simple example is that one must take into account a man's language and his cultural background if we're going to understand him successfully. The same is true with Jesus. The first century Palestinian Jew, Jesus was an example of just that, thinks in a way different from the 20th century American. The problem is that churches are very good at building their own traditions which ultimately contradict the Word of God. We may clutch a Bible and say we believe that this is inspired revelation of God, but believing that the Bible is God's inspired Word is not effective if we then proceed to read it in a way that it could not possibly have meant in its first-century Jewish-Palestinian context. Take, for example, the great commandment that Jesus mentioned in Mark's Gospel, chapter 12, and verse 28, and the verses following. We read there that one of the scribes came and heard them arguing, and recognizing that Jesus had answered them well, the scribe asked him, What commandment is the foremost of all? In other words, what is the cardinal tenet? of true religion. What is the most fundamental of all religious principles and commandments? And Jesus answered as follows, The foremost is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. I am sure that you understand there that Jesus reaffirmed and confirmed and established as the basis of his Christian faith the very same commandment that had been given to the Israelites in what we call the Old Testament, actually the Hebrew Bible. Jesus, you see, in Mark chapter 12, verses 28 and following, is quoting from Deuteronomy 6 and verse 4. And in that text we read, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. In the New Testament, a citation of that verse the text reads, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Now, Jesus there gave the Christian definition of God. The question is, what God did Jesus recommend here? Was it a God consisting of three persons or a God consisting of one person? Listen again to Jesus' statement, The Lord our God is one Lord. Now, I'm sure that most of us hearing that phrase, one Lord, would have little difficulty in identifying it as one person. 
one Lord, Jesus said, is the true God. Not two lords or three lords, but one Lord. We have here, from the very words of Jesus himself, a basic definition of God, the God whom Christians ought to be worshipping. And the God whom Jesus himself worshipped was none other than the God of Israel, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God who revealed himself at Mount Sinai as the Creator. I wonder if you knew that that God of Israel, who declared himself to be the sole Creator, the sole Lord of the universe, speaks of himself in the Hebrew Bible over 11,000 times under singular pronouns. In other words, God is I, he is referred to as him, he is addressed as you, and he refers to himself as I myself, he is addressed as you yourself, and spoken of as him himself. Singular pronouns designate the God of Israel and the God of Jesus, the God of the Bible, no less than 11,000 times at least in the Hebrew Bible as a single individual, one person, not two persons or three persons or multiple persons, but as a single individual designated and described by singular pronouns. Now, isn't it a fact that in all communication, when singular pronouns are used, we understand immediately that one person is involved. One person only, not two, three, or more persons, but a single personal individual. And so God himself repeatedly states that he's one person. Listen, for example, to these extraordinary words in Isaiah 44, verse 24. Here's the Creator himself defining his own singular personality. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, Isaiah 44, verse 24, and the one who formed you from the womb. Notice the one, not two or three or more, but the one who formed you from the womb. I, the Lord, am the maker of all things, stretching out the heavens by myself. Who was with me? And the implied answer, of course, is that nobody was with me no one was my equal, no one was my partner in creation. I by myself stretched forth the heavens and the earth, spreading out the heavens and the earth by myself. No one was with me. Isaiah 44 and verse 24. Now that's a singularly interesting passage as descriptive of the one God of Israel who had already announced himself to the Israelite people as the one Lord the famous Shema, or Hear, O Israel. Shema, incidentally, is the Hebrew word for hear, and it's known then to the Jews as the Shema of Israel, the Hear, O Israel. Pay attention, Israel. This is your greatest commandment. This is your greatest protection against idolatry and falling away from the true God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one Lord. That very same foundational commandment that basis of all true religion, the cardinal tenet of Judaism, was also the cardinal tenet of Jesus, who indeed was a Jew. And so in Mark 12, verse 28 and following, Jesus rehearsed that great central tenet of his Jewish faith. Here are his words again. Jesus answered, The foremost commandment is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one 
Lord. Clearly then, God is defined by Jesus as one Lord, not two Lords or three Lords or more Lords, but as one Lord. And then Jesus went on to say that we are to love that one Lord, your God, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. I mentioned in passing that the heart in the Bible is not the seat of your emotions, but it's the center of personality. It's the home, indeed, of the intellect. It's equivalent in many passages to the mind, the thinking process in a human being. And so we're to love that God with all our heart and our soul and our mind and with all our strength. And then Jesus said the second commandment is this, you're to love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other commandment greater than these. I think you'll agree here that Jesus lays the bedrock foundation of true religion, first by defining the true God as the one Lord revealed to Israel in the pages of the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, and then by urging us to love that one God of Israel, the God of Jesus indeed, with all our heart and mind and soul and strength. I remind you that in this passage, in Mark chapter 12, Jesus was in conversation with a scribe, a religious expert of the day, a Bible scholar, if you like. And when Jesus had finished reciting the famous Shema, or Hear, O Israel, from Deuteronomy 6, verse 4, the scribe replied as follows. He said, Right, teacher, you have truly stated that God is one. God is one Lord, as the command to Israel states in Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. You've rightly stated that he is one, and there is no one else beside him. I think there again you'll hear the absolute singularity and individuality of the one God, the Christian God, the God whom Jesus recommended. There's no one else beside him. And I mention again that over 11,000 times in the Old Testament that true God, the God of Israel, is designated by singular pronouns, by the words I or me or you or him. Never for one second is there any doubt about that basic teaching of the Bible. There's nothing plural about God. He is definitely and certainly one person who alone created the heavens and the earth and stretched them out by himself. Isaiah 44, verse 24. In order to relate to Jesus successfully, now we must share his mind, we must share his understanding, and we must respond sympathetically to his teachings. Well, the foundation of all of Jesus' teachings was not only the kingdom of God gospel, but his fervent belief in the one God of Israel as being the one Lord, the single individual responsible for the creation of the whole of this vast universe. The Lord your God is one, said Jesus, establishing the first principle of all true religion, now, the word one, I have to remind you, simply means one. There have been some strange arguments mounted in some quarters in regard to the meaning of this word one. Well, the word one is the word used when we count one, two, three, and so on. One simply means a single individual. There's nothing plural about the word one. Now, of course, the word one can be used to modify any noun. We might speak of one flock of sheep or one bunch of grapes, but that still is one bunch and one flock. 
The fact that we have many grapes in the bunch is quite coincidental to the basic meaning of the word one. When Adam and Eve were made one flesh, the word is still one. It was not two, so to speak, fleshes. The Bible also states that Abraham was one, meaning a single individual. And therefore, when God declares that he is one Lord, he means that he is a single individual Lord, one person, not multiple persons, not even two or three persons, but a single individual creating the heavens and the earth by himself. Isaiah 44, verse 24. Now, this simple definition of God as a single individual, the definition given by the famous hero Israel in Deuteronomy 6, 4, and repeated and confirmed by Jesus in Mark chapter 12, verses 28 and following, that simple definition is found in multiple places across the pages of our Bible. For example, in Malachi chapter 2, verse 10, we read, Do we not all have one Father? Has not one God created us? You see, the one God of Israel is equivalent to the one Father. We invite you to request from us an article entitled, Who in the Bible is the one true God? We'd like to send this to you free for your own personal Bible study at home. Meanwhile, join us again for our continued discussion and investigation of Jesus' favorite topic, the gospel about the kingdom of God.